and uh, they're certainly helpful in ministering to our hearts and souls when we deal with challenges that we all face. Do we face challenges? I'm just seeing if I'm preaching to the choir or if I'm preaching to myself or preaching to somebody that might know what I'm talking about. But uh, this uh, is a helpful psalm. I, I trust it will be a help to you. It's been to me. Uh, psalm, not, not all of the psalms, we, do we know the context for which they are written. Uh, we know that a lot of them are psalms of David. This particular psalm, if you have it there, does say kind of the circumstances about from which it's written or when it was written. What's it say there? It says Psalm 3 here, Psalm of David, what? When he fled from Absalom his son. Is that what your Bible says there? A note and a title of the psalm. And uh, we know that the, that story is, is found over in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and the following chapters. It's when David's son Absalom, as it says there, rebels against uh, David and then let a revolt against the or hostile takeover, so to speak, of David's throne. And uh, the throne and the kingdom was, uh, was all divided up. He had kind of brought people to, Absalom had brought people to himself as they came to seek counsel from David. He would intercept them and, and give them his counsel, and, and uh, it ended up being a mess, right? And uh, it was a dark day in the family. It was a dark day in the nation, and it's a dark, because it's a dark day when the king is forced from his home and fleeing for his life. It says in 2 Samuel 15, 14, I wrote it down here, it says, Arise, let us flee. This is David speaking. For we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. Oof. It doesn't sound very good, does it? Couldn't help but think, though, even though uh, we not the same exact circumstance in our lives personally, but we live in dark days in our nation, and uh, there's times in our own lives as well that we can, we can go through it. We have a bad day. We would call it a bad day. The Lord brings those things into our lives. We'll deal with that as we go, but it allows them for different reasons, but this is certainly a very difficult day in which we live in our nation, a divided nation, and we don't know what's going on. They're all fighting, really, aren't they? Seems like. And um, then in the story of David, not only is Absalom leading a revolt, and people are, and David's fleeing for his life as he does so, uh, he has trusted servants that turn against him, and uh, people that he had helped or shown kindness to, and they conspire against David, actually. And then as he goes out and leaves there, it talks about in 2 Samuel 16 about this man Shimei, and he's an enemy of David, and he's like running along the hilltop throwing rocks. Well, that's helpful. If things aren't bad enough, you've got this guy yelling at you, cursing you, and throwing rocks at you. You ever feel like that? Things get, go from bad to worse, and just when you think it can't get any worse, people start throwing rocks. Maybe not literally, but um, it seems that way. None of that was part of God's plan. The, the, that thing is blowing my pages, I don't like that. But um, I'll hold on to it. The, uh, the, uh, none of that was part of God's plan. And you know, David never planned for that either, did he? I mean, he wouldn't have said, you know, I, I can't wait for the day, Absalom rebels against me and overtakes my throne. He wouldn't have said that. 
And uh, we know that uh, it's not at all what God had intended uh, for him. It was decisions that David perhaps had made and definitely was decisions that Absalom had made along the way that led to that. But it is that, all that context or that background that David would write Psalm 3. And I was thinking, there's a lot of thoughts that come to my mind. I tried to keep my outline fairly short. This is my last time to preach at Kevin before they leave to Florida. And I... I want to take full opportunity of it, but if I go too long, he'll just leave. And uh, so I want him to make sure I get, he gets it all. And um, <laughs> they leave on uh, Sunday for Florida. So anyway, uh, and, and then I knew if I went too long that Scott would even say something. Scott doesn't say much. But uh, the other day, uh, I was thinking it was last week when Johnny was going to be sharing. And uh, I said, well, uh, I think it's your turn, Scott. He says, well, good. He says it'll be shorter. <laughs> what are we supposed to think about that? Huh? Amen, that's right. Anyway, I did try to keep... There's a lot of thoughts that swirled around with this whole thing. I wrote, I wrote several, a few things down. But um, I, one of the things that I thought of, and it didn't write down, but I'm still going to say it, um, was that if I had been running for my life, my throne was being taken from me, I couldn't go home, and... Shimei is cursing me and throwing rocks. I wouldn't have thought to write a song. Will you? Would that have been right on top of your list? Huh? It really does show the heart of David, at least at different times. You know, I, I, he wasn't a perfect man. We know that. He was a man. But he did. And God had him write the psalm, and then he included it in the songbook of Israel, in our Bibles, in Psalm 3. And I'm glad he did. We have here introduced to us a word. It's the first time that it's actually used in Scripture. You'll see it a lot in the Psalms later, but this is the first time. It's seen at the end of verse 2, the end of verse 4, and at the end of the Psalm, at the end of verse 8. And it concludes those verses. You'll see it there. It's the word selah. Selah. It's an interesting little word that is, I put it this way, to pause or to ponder, to stop, to think, to meditate on, on what is being said. Most people believe that these are songs that were sung, and it would be times at the end of a verse where you actually stop, pause, it'd be perhaps a rest in the music or a musical interlude, that you were to stop and to think on what you had just sung or what had been said. And Three times in Psalm 3, you, that's kind of easy to remember, right? Uh, you see this first mention or the first use of the word selah. It's 74 times in the, in the scriptures primarily. I think there's only one instance where it's used outside of the Psalms. But, and um, in Psalm 3, there's three points to pause and to ponder is what, uh, kind of how I've outlined the, the passage. And when it's three points to pause and to ponder when life isn't going as planned. Now, I could have put more P words in there. I'm sure of it, but I didn't. And, uh, but it is that. It's times where you're supposed to stop and think about what is being said. During a time when David, we could say, was going through a really difficult day. It wasn't going as planned. You ever have days that doesn't go as planned? And I think there's a lot of ways that we can relate to it. Maybe not in the exact way that, or the exact uh, depth of the difficulty that David is going through, 
but it certainly we can understand it. He's facing crisis, a situation that very much seems out of control. And it is, as he writes this psalm, he reminds us of three things that we ought to pause and to ponder. Let's pray and ask God's help. Lord, we are thankful again for your word that does minister to us in our, in our need. And we're so thankful that, Lord, you had David pen this psalm for us. And I pray that you'll help us by it tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that we see there is verses 1 and 2. We'll just read it and then we'll pause and we'll ponder them, okay? It says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. And we'll say it together. The last word there is Selah. Selah. So we're to pause or to ponder. We're to consider, first of all, what I put as my relationship with God. Now, you'll see the first word is where I draw it from. It is throughout the psalm. It's the word L-O-R-D, right? And, and I think most of our English Bibles should have that capitalized. All the letters are capitalized. So it's the formal name of God. It's, it's a covenant name for our great and mighty God. That's really, we could say so much about Johnny touched on that last week when he preached from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So it, it, we understand it. This is the place to start. This is actually called a morning psalm, as in the a.m. Not morning as in sad, but morning as in the morning of the day. And Psalm 4 is kind of a couplet with that, where it's an evening psalm. And it, it's a good place to start every day is with the Lord. Isn't it? Sure it is. And we see it down through the psalm. He's always drawing. He's talking about his God. And uh, it's, it's Jehovah God. He's the God that is. The one that said, I am that I am. The one that he, he told, that's what he told Moses. You know that. He's the creator and he's the sustainer of life. And I'm so thankful the Lord is the God, our God, that doesn't change. He doesn't change. And we could say a lot about it again. We need to ponder who God is. And or who God is and who God is to me is so important. And as we read verses 1 and 2, you see the contrast here is what others are saying versus the Lord. And the others are saying, and it says, and he's talking about the many, there are, how, they, uh, how are they increased that trouble me? Many. Verse 2, many which say of my soul there's no help for him in God. So, the, uh, and you'll notice they, they use the informal name of, of God at the end of verse 2. In other words, the ones that are saying that don't really know God the way David knows God. Does that make sense at all? It's a different form of the word. It's, it's more just God in a general sense. And that would be true of a lot of people in our world would say and understand that there perhaps, maybe, is a God or they have a God. But David is, is saying, he is talking about his Lord, his Jehovah God, the one that he is trusting in, the one that he has a relationship with. And I think as we just consider this simple point, that when we are going through times of difficulty or uncertainty, or you, you fill in the blank, however it can apply to, to us and, or when, it's really all the time, but at particular times, 
when it seems as though God is perhaps distant or people even are saying, well, why are they going through that? Well, you know, if God was, then he wouldn't. We need to come back to the fact of what the Bible says about our God, right? And keep our thoughts together in all of that. And we need to pause and we need to ponder that my relationship with the Lord, my God. And I hope that resonates with you. I don't know if I'm communicating it in a way that uh, is helpful to us or not. It's helped, it's helped me. We need to be careful. It's not what the situation looks like. It's not what others are saying. It is who I know that he is and what God is to me. God has not changed no matter what. I was, uh, think of another example pops into my head, but it's when the Israelites were fleeing Egypt, Right? And they, they had the Egyptians coming, uh, moving in on them, behind them, and they had the Red Sea before them. And they were, they were a, a little nervous. Wouldn't you be? Well, sure. And they needed to be still and know that I am, that I am God. It didn't look good. But they needed to stop and remember who God was. And I believe we need to consider my relationship with God. Pause and ponder that. When things seem uncertain, when people are saying otherwise. The verse also comes to my mind is 2 Corinthians 10.5, where he says, uh, Paul writes, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There are so many times, I've been through them, you have too, where the situation seems so unsure and then the what-ifs come in. And we need to bring those thoughts and capture them and remember that God hasn't changed at all. The second thing that we see in Psalm 3, we'll read it down through verse 4 there. It says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Let's say it together. Selah. So the second thing we see is we'll pause and we'll ponder with confidence the resources from God. This is interesting, again, at least it was to me, again, but uh, it's not, he's talking here about some of the things that we have or get or who God is. We've talked about that, but it really talks about some of the resources that we have in God or, with, or from God. Now, it's not the physical resources that we often think about. Now, God allows times of real physical low points, sickness, loss, stress, and strain, perhaps a busted up knee, knee surgery. Pastor Mark, if you're listening. It can be all anything, really. He allows those things into our life. And I think a lot of times, and not every time, but I think there's one of the reasons he does that is to bring us and drive us back to our dependence on him. And I think that it's, I always, I think I put it this way, trying to think of how I usually put it, but it's me that puts it this way, so I should remember. It's either for our correction or for our perfection. It's to help us to develop us and to bring us into a place where we're perfected in him or to correct us if we've strayed and gone, gone, gone away a little bit. And one preacher said this, listen, God knows my need. He has what I need. And he will meet my need. I like that. 
And we need to, we need to uh, ponder with confidence the resources I have in God. And the flow of the psalm, it look, it, again, it, psalm verse, uh, the verses 1 and 2 sound really bad. But in verse 3, there's really quite a, quite a contrast because but thou, O Lord, that's a change with confidence, right? Yes, it looks bad, but, but, and we need to stop and think on all that I have in the Lord. And see what he says here. First of all, he says, O Lord, uh, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Now, I have the word protection. He's protecting me. Now, David knew something about being protected by God, didn't he? And you think about the story of David, and it goes back, you go back even as far as David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. And in the battle with Goliath, Goliath had a shield. Matter of fact, the Bible even says that Goliath, he was, I don't know, almost 10 feet tall or whatever it is, you know. And he even had a shield bearer. Can you imagine how big Goliath's shield was if an almost 10 foot tall man had to have somebody carry it for him? It's a pretty big shield, wouldn't it be? Did David have a shield? Not in that story, not literally. But he says right here in this psalm, he has a shield. And a lot of good the big shield Goliath had did him. But the shield that David had did him a lot of good, didn't it? It's an amazing thought. He says... Uh, and for, I wrote down 1 Samuel 17, 45, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. He was his shield. And that's what he says right here. We have, uh, we have the power of God protecting us. We're really, I've heard it said, and it's kind of cliche almost, but it's not. But we're really indestructible in the will of God. And I like that thought. And we need to live in humble dependence on the fact that God is our shield. David says that. The second thing here, he writes, though, not only this resource of a shield, a protection, and, uh, but he says he's my glory. My glory. I like that. And uh, his glory. Now, God, it is God that deserves the glory. And that we must exalt him, honor him. That's what the glory means. He deserves the glory from my life. Uh, we're bought with a price, therefore glorify God, right, in our body. And all of that is his. I can't remember the verse exactly, but we know that. We know that God will give grace and glory. No good thing we, will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And God deserves the glory. And I like uh, Jeremiah 9.24, I wrote it down here. It says, let him that glorieth glory in, in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You know, I like, I like talking, visiting, and you get a bunch of guys together, you start talking about all of your crazy things that you did, you know. I remember one time, and, and then the, that leads to another story, you know what I mean? And I remember one time this happened or that happened, and I could give examples, but I'll bore you with that. And um, you're bored enough already. And the, uh, but then, then the next guy, you know how it is, one tells the story, and then the story over here gets better. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I did this. Well, yeah, but there was this one time. You know, I, okay, I, I, I'm giving into it. 
But there was this one time, you know, when we were, uh, Pastor Mark and I were just talking about that. He was the one that brought it up. And uh, we went down when we were in high school, and we played uh, some basketball together for a, for a year. And, and uh, we went down to, way down east, and he'll remember this story. I know he's listening. I can tell he is, but <laughs> at least I hope he is. And uh, we went down there, and we, play, we were invited to a Christmas tournament. And uh, this, was a, this was been our glory days. I mean, Pastor Mark, if he turned sideways, stuck out his tongue, he looked like a zipper. He was so thin. And uh, I was so thin, and I had that big fuzzy head. I've mentioned it before. I was so skinny. I had a big curly afro, because my hair is naturally curly. It's all gone now. But, and I looked like a human Q-tip. I've said that before. We were something. We were something. We got invited down to this basketball tournament down east, and uh, we played in it. And lo and behold, we won. We won the thing. And uh, I remember we, uh, we won the first night, and then we had to go back, this, uh, obviously, for the championship and all that. And Pastor Mark did really well in the first game, but the second game, he fouled out. And we were listening to the game on the radio on the way back. I don't remember if somebody, were, I don't know what the details were, but we were listening to it somehow, probably on a cassette tape or something. Yeah, cassette tape, yeah. And um, we were listening to it, and they... And they, they came to the stats at the end of the game, and they were reading them off, because Pastor Mark had done really good in the first game. He had scored the most points or whatever. And the second night, though, this was my glory. He fouled out, and I kept draining him from the corner, and I scored, I forget what it was, but it was quite a few points, and I was the high scorer. So he could talk about the first night, and then it's my turn. Glory. Glory days. All those days are so far gone now, all I can do is talk about them. But uh, the point, I don't know what the point is. No, the point is, is that, <laughs> you know, we can all glory in, in, uh, in this or that and what, what uh, I've achieved or what I have done. The Bible and David is saying, you know, forget all that. God's my glory. And he receives the glory. I need to stop and think on that. Think about how David was leaving. The, he was leaving behind uh, his throne. That was his throne. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to glory in that. I'm going to glory in the Lord. He's my glory. I couldn't help but think of uh, even, even now of like Job said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And even though the circumstances were terrible, in David's life, he could say, God's the glory. He's my glory. It's a resource that we have in him. And then the verse goes on, and it, it says, it says uh, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory. And I love this one too. It's, it's, get the picture, the lifter up of mine head. He's lifting up his head. Get your chin up, Christian. We need to get our chins up. You ever get your head hanging down? Huh? I don't try not to do it too much because then you see my bald spot. But the, uh, it's, it's really, it, we, get it, we get going and things get bad and we get our chins down. And it's just like with us as parents and we take, oops, we take our, our kid's um, chin and we turn it. It'll, it'll be okay, I think. And we take their head and we take their chin and we take, say, look at me, look at me. Do you, do you see the picture there? Isn't that what is happening with David when he, he is leaving, being chased out of, of, his, uh, of Jerusalem? He doesn't have a place to go home. He didn't have a home. There's about 600 people under his care. 
It's a lot of responsibility. And wouldn't it be easy to get your head down then? Be looking at the ground? Say, what is going on? I don't get it. And get down and depressed. You know, that's one of the things I really battle with in, in life is, is just getting downhearted and looking at all that's happening. Oh, how bad it is. Dragging your head down. God says, David says, you know what? The Lord lifts up my head. He encourages me. That helps me. Does it help you tonight? I hope so. I hope it helps you more than dropping the microphone does. And then he, he doesn't stop there, but he, he continues, and he, he, says, he says he's the, it's, uh, what is it? Yeah, verse 4. You have, I cried unto the Lord my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. He hears our prayers. Isn't that great? All right, thank you, Ed. Ed thinks it's great. I think it's great. That not only can we pray, you know, there's all kinds of religions out there that have prayer. But we have a God that hears. Can you imagine being like a Muslim in all of their rogue prayers that they go through? Are you following me on this? Their God doesn't hear. Our God does. All of the idol worshipers and worshiping some idol, some image that they've made up, it's stone or wood, and they're worshiping that thing. That God doesn't hear their prayers. And we could be thankful for the resource of prayer. Not only does he hear, he answers us. I love it. David says, pause for a minute. You ponder that. The great resources that we have from the Lord. The third thing we see, and it really takes up the rest of the psalm, but let's, let's read it. I'll read it, and we'll say Selah together again. It says, I laid me down and slept. Verse 5, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. There it is. Let's say it together. Selah. You pause and you ponder the comfort of resting in God. We rest in God. I'm not going to break it down any further because I knew it was going to take too long to get this far. But it's, it's, the thought in verse 5 is tremendous to me. Just the peace that David had in very unpeaceful time. The fact that he says, I laid me down and slept. Now, being able to sleep in those circumstances, on the run, the kingdom being stolen, he had no bed, no house to sleep in, almost like you guys going on the camping trip. How about that? He had all of those people, mentioned 600 people plus to care for, that's a lot to ponder, isn't it? A lot to think on. You ever stay up at night worrying? Huh, it's only me. Thought so. And you start whirling around in your head about this or that, and how am I going to do this, and what's going to happen here? And Sleep's a wonderful thing. Don't you think so, Kevin? Yeah. I've gotten to the point now if I sit down too long, I'll fall asleep. 
I can fall asleep anywhere. Is that true, Galliana? You're laughing over here, but she knows it's true. People that really know me, I mean, if I sit down and I start busy all the time, get to that age, now it doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to go to sleep. But there are times where I can't sleep. And it's usually about 3 o'clock in the morning. And that's when the devil's at work. Is that when you're at work too, Aiden? No, okay, I'm just kidding. But uh, that, those early mornings, I'm just saying, the early morning hours, <laughs> in the early morning hours, when you start mulling things over in your head, you say, in China, you figure it all out. And, you know, I've really learned, and I hope that you have too, that you have to really find the peace of God in those times. And when we have the peace of God, we don't, have to, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fret, get upset. That kind of peace and contentment can only come from God in a relationship with the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. That's what David is showing us. He's showing his trust in God. He's trusting God. Boy, sure didn't look good. It seemed like God perhaps maybe had abandoned him or turned his back on him or something was up. But you know what? He says, I just laid me down and slept. It's going to be okay. You know, maybe you needed to hear that tonight. It's going to be okay. God will take care of us. It comes from knowing God. Romans 5.1 tells us that. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. Peace with God and the peace of God comes out of that. Philippians 4.7, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. The peace of God. What a blessing to rest in God. Content, convinced, not only, uh, not only that he has saved me, but David is saying that he will save me. And ultimately, it's, I'm in his constant care. It's one thing that I pray, Jude and I pray together when he, go, when he goes to bed at night. and I usually kneel down beside his bed. It takes me a while to get back up. But I do kneel down. And um, one of the things that I often are so thankful for in our prayers together is that we're resting in God's care. God cares about us. And it's constant. It never stops. To rest in the Lord no matter what others are saying or doing. True re- I put it here, true physical rest comes from a restful soul and a restful spirit. And I think that's what the end of the psalm is dealing with. Three things to pause and ponder. My time is up. Consider our relationship with God. Pause and ponder with confidence the resources from God. Pause and ponder the comfort of rest in God. David did, and we can too. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much again for this psalm.